All right, so Power Clubs will culminate Friday night with Power Surge here on campus. If you were having a couple thousand people over to your house, what would you want? Help. That's what you'd want. You'd want some help. And so as of about 8 o'clock this morning, we needed 50 more folks who would be willing to serve in Power Surge. So if you'd be willing to do that, there's a table out in the courtyard. You could give them your name, and that'd be greatly appreciated. Even if you don't show up to volunteer, if you come and just be a host and take the opportunity to get to know folks who come on campus, we, we really do have just hundreds of folks from our community come and to this campus as a culmination of the week. So hope you'll be here to welcome them. So as they were running in, did you remember all that energy that you had when you were that age? Maybe you still have that much energy, but it was a reminder to me that when I was in school, I had a favorite class. You know what it was? Recess, right? Some of you, how many of you, recess was your favorite one? Yeah, I loved recess because that was the time you got to play. And so out to the playground, and it was usually quick. Pick two captains, and they'd pick teams and play, which was awesome if you were good at something because you got picked early, but not so awesome if you weren't because then you were like one of those last few, and it was like, nobody really wants that. You remember those days? Yeah. Well, a little bit of that picture we had in mind when we looked last week at the encounter where Jesus appoints new leaders. It's the choosing of the 12. And in some sense, he's picking his team by which the church is going to be launched. And we look specifically, and if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open to Mark chapter 3. Because this was the passage that we started with last week. Where it says, And he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain... And summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment. Last week, by way of quick review, we spent all of our time on this idea that he went up on the mountain. For what purpose? He went up to pray. How long? The whole night. I don't know if you've ever prayed a whole day or a whole night. But it was the reminder that every single one of us have moments in life that are so critical that though we might pray on a daily basis, I hope we do, that there are times where the decision is that big, the moment that critical, that you don't want it to be a passing prayer. You definitely want to commit an extended time in prayer. In fact, some of you may be in a situation like that right now. If so, I encourage you to go back Go to our website, listen to last week, and then set a time and create a setting where you'll give, like Jesus did, an extended amount of time for prayer. It was an overflow of his life, daily disposition before the Father. And I encouraged us last week, maybe these words came off your lips multiple times this past week, this I want you, Lord, I need you, Lord, and I, what? What's the third? I trust you, Lord. Sometimes we segment our lives too much. Not sometimes, we almost always segment our lives too much. There's, the, there's our life, and then we go and pray. And then we go back to living, and then we pray, and then we go back to living. And 
prayer is like somehow disconnected from living. Prayer is not intended to be a segment of our life. It's intended to be the disposition by which we live life. That's why the scripture says, pray without ceasing. Live in a constant disposition where we're saying, Lord, I want what you want. When I go to work today, I want what you want at work today. When I go home today, I want what you want in my home today. I want what you want in my marriage. I want what you want for my kids. I want what you want for my future. I want you, but Lord, I want that, but I can't do that apart from you and all I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your enablement. I need you. And Lord, I trust you. See, that's not something that we say and then we go back to life. That's the disposition by which we engage in every encounter in life. That I want in this encounter what the Lord wants and I need him and I trust him. So, uh, make that, would you? Something that comes off your lips this week when you're not necessarily in your time of prayer. When you're driving, when you're pulling into your driveway, when you get up, when you're brushing your teeth. Just those reminders, those times that, that you would express, Lord, I want you today, and I need you, and I trust you. That's the disposition by which Jesus engaged daily life and major moments. So back to Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could do what? Send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. So who are the 12? Here they are. And he appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. To them he gave the name, which means sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphas, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and who else? Judas Iscariot, who did what? Who betrayed him. So that's our text this morning. You may go, really? That's we're going to talk about that? Yes. Because in this brief text, we get a picture into the heart and into the process of Jesus when it comes to choosing those whom he will use in supernatural ways. So six truths that we're going to see. The first is this. When Jesus appoints the 12, we recognize that his choosing is often counterculture. In other words, his selection is different often than what we would select. Two captains on the playground, and it's time for kickball. Who do you pick? The best kickballers, right? You go, okay, you, then you, and then another, and then you, and okay, then you. And the captains are constantly deciding, all right, who's the best left? So you would assume that when Jesus is choosing his team through which the church is going to be launched, he's looking at all those who are following him and he's saying, who's the best? Who's my dream team? So let's look at Jesus's dream team. Here's what it consists of. According to Acts, four uneducated fishermen, folks who are totally unqualified in their education to do the job. A former chief, 
and traitor, by occupation, a tax collector. Then you get in this list five guys that you wouldn't know anything about other than that they make the list. There's nothing else about them other than that they are one of the 12, which you go, well, man, how can we not know more about them? Well, it may be better to be that guy than this guy who is known, but he's known for his doubting. Okay, I'd rather be unknown now. I mean, really, how'd you like to know? Known for thousands of years. Oh, that doubter guy. Jeez, give me a break. So the one, this uneducated, cheater, unknowns, known for his doubting, and then, of course, whom? Who's to remain? Judas the betrayer. Wow. Quite a dream team. Or maybe a nightmare. It's, it, does it seem like Jesus chose the best? Well, maybe this is all he had to choose from. Or, don't miss this, maybe, just maybe, he's choosing these 12 because it's an, a continuation of whom he chooses for salvation. Does he choose the best people to be his children? Wow. Uh, his choosing, don't miss this, his choosing for both to be his children and his choosing for whom he will use is always by grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the, it's the what? Your salvation is a gift. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works. Do you know how long I didn't know that? Oh, I'd gone to church, and I wanted to be saved, and I hoped I would be saved, but I lived in tremendous fear that somehow that week I had done something to undo my salvation, that I had, by my works, disqualified myself from heaven. Ever thought that? I, I, I lived with that fear on a weekly basis. And thankfully, I was then not told about being religious. I was told about how to be saved, not by my works, but by God's grace, a gift. And that if he gave it to me as a gift, and it wasn't something that I earned by what I did, I could not undo what I had not did you follow that? <laughs> I didn't do it, so I couldn't undo it. That's grace. And what I hope you will be encouraged by this morning is this. That the grace applied in God's choosing you to be his child is the same grace in his choosing to use you. It's not because you're the smartest. It's not because you're the strongest. It's not because you're the greatest. It's because, if you go back, it's because you can find yourself in a list like this. Can you see yourself there? Uh, that was what was so encouraging to me. I made the list, and I thought, all right, who's represented here? And I got to the end, and I thought, wow, what a crew that I'd fit in with. See, that's encouraging. 
See, the scripture says God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. When I was a youth pastor, there was a, a particular youth organization that would always say, hey, when you're trying to reach the local schools, target the quarterback, because if you can win the quarterback, then he'll have tremendous influence. You know what that is? That is not counterculture. That's just saying the kingdom of God works the same way captains work on the playground, and it's not, not, not true. Jesus chooses differently. He chooses in a way so that when something wild or great or powerful happens, you know what people go? <laughs> wow, God, because that was definitely not that dude. That's right. See, the quarterback may go, yep, that's me. I run things. But the foolish and the weak, the list that I find myself in, it's unmistakably God, unmistakably his work. So you could be offended or you could be encouraged that Jesus chooses counter culture. Here's what else the list reminds me of. It reminds me that our role in his kingdom work is his choosing. Now, I have underlined his choosing, but it would be better for you to circle the word Role. It's our role in his kingdom work that's his choosing. Did, did Jesus have more than 12 followers at the time? Okay, it's kind of okay. So when he was choosing, he had more to choose from than this crew. So literally, when he chose the 12, he didn't choose other people. Huh. See, that's different. If, if I said, okay, I'm going to choose 12 of you. Okay, I'll take you. Okay, none of those people. You back there. None of you. And I go over to South and I choose over there. Hey. Wouldn't that make you wonder? Why not me? And you do a little pout, like, hey, how comes God? When, when you're on the playground and the captain picks the one guy before you, go, I'm a lot better kickballer than that, dude. That doesn't make any sense. I, I am reminded when Jesus chose 12, he was not choosing hundreds of other people. Now, does that mean they didn't have any role anymore in the kingdom of God? Now, be careful here. But listen, does that mean they didn't have any role? No. What had he chosen these 12 for? To be apostles. There was a unique role that God had chosen the 12 for. It doesn't mean the other hundreds didn't have a role. It means their role wasn't to be the role of the 12. So a couple applications for you. 
First of all, do you know your role that God has chosen you for? Bigger question, are you content with it? Are you still constantly looking over your shoulder at the role that somebody else got and you're kind of stomping your foot and clenching your fist and going, God, I wanted that. See, the problem when you look over your shoulder at what other people get in terms of their role, you end up missing what God has for you. Here's a, here's a great reminder from the scriptures. It says when he appointed 12, that he appointed them beforehand, that this was not a spur of the moment. This is why he had spent the night in prayer. And he wasn't just choosing 12 and nobody and everybody else didn't have a role. He was choosing those 12 for a particular role. But the scripture teaches us there are a varieties of what? Gifts, and but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects. What's that mean? Impact. There's a variety of impact. Not every person has the same level of impact. But the same God who works all things in all persons. Do you know your gifts? Do you know the gifts that God has given you? See, there'll be about 1,100 of us who gather this weekend at the chapel. And everyone who's been born again has been given differing a variety of gifts. We don't all get the same gifts. Do you know what yours is? Seriously, do you know what it is? If not, you should just sit and wait until God tells you what it is. No. If you don't know, here's how you find out. You see a need and you jump in and meet it. And as you begin to meet needs, it's amazing what happens. You begin to find out, oh, God has made me fruitful. Or, whew, this is not me. Hey, I've served in situations where this is not me. One time I was leading. This just came to mind right now. This is free for you. I didn't say this first or second hour. I'm Wednesday night. Uh, I'm leading a prayer time. And that's all fine and good. But we want to do a song to begin with. And Shirley Elliott, who plays the piano, convinces me, Doug, you'll be fine. You can lead it. <laughs> Terrible. She was like playing and get me a start. And I couldn't start at the right time. I couldn't start the right tune. I couldn't keep the tune. I knew where my ministry wasn't. I've often thought, I think I could do that. It settled it once for all. I could never do that. I can sing along with. I cannot lead singing. But see, you don't know until you try something. It's no fun to crash and burn publicly. But don't sit and wait. God has given you a gift. And he's given you a ministry. See, some of you have gifts, but no ministry. No, no, strike that. All of you have gifts. Some of you have gifts that you have no ministry. You're not doing anything with it. And that's to the suffering of the work of God's kingdom. And then there's a variety of impact. Everybody wants to be most impactful, but only one person gets to be most impactful. And everybody else is jealous or content. 
that my responsibility is to be faithful with the gifts and ministry that God has given me. And it's his responsible responsibility to be as fruitful as he chooses in the midst of my faithfulness. Your faithfulness is to know your gift and apply it to whatever ministry God has for you. How many folks spend so much of their life trying to figure out, what do I want to do? When they have been far better to simply ask, what has God made me to do? That's that's really the key to finding a joy-filled, satisfied life. What has God made you to do? Don't look at other people and go, oh, I'd like to be them. You're not them. Twelve were chosen by God's choosing to be apostles. Everybody else had roles. They could either be faithful with it or be discontent with it. I hope you'll be content and active in yours because he goes on in chapter 12 and says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. This really is, your role is God's choosing. And your privilege, my privilege, is to discern and to find out what he has chosen, what he has chosen to gift me with and then engage faithfully. All right, back to verse 14. It says, it goes on in this verse, and he appointed, he, his choosing, appointed 12, the unique role, so that they would be with him. Don't miss that. You could run right over that, but there's an important here. The first priority in serving Jesus is to do what? Yeah, don't miss that. The first priority in serving Jesus is being with Jesus. In the last week, have you been with Jesus? I ask because uh, increasingly, it's not the case. That we, we can find ourselves going through a whole week and actually not been with Jesus, not taking any time to simply say, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to sit in some quietness and solitude early in the morning, over my lunch break, after work, turn the TV off. Instead of watching yet another series, I'm going to actually be with Jesus. You would think he chose the 12 so that then he could launch them. But the first thing he says is, I'm choosing you to be with me. Now, that's the first priority. What's the overflow of being with him? Go back to the text. He appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. So first priority is to be with him, and then to be with Jesus is for the sake of being a servant of Jesus. He wants them to be with him so that they might gain his heart, they might gain what he wants, that they might gain his desire, and then he wants them to be sent out. Interestingly, most of us, either prefer being with Jesus or prefer, oh, no, just let me go be a servant. Can you identify which one you are? Are you more the one who says, 
Well, I could just be with Jesus all day. Are you going, no, no, just give me a job to do. Both are important. And it's always been that way. Sum up the Old Testament for me. It's been told to us. How do you sum up the Old Testament? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's that mean? That means be with him. And then what's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. Go and be a servant. You see, if you say, oh, I'm just going to love people and not be with him, that bill's going to come due. You're going to become a very busy, barren person. You're going to be a desert where there, all the life has been sucked out of you. You have been poured out but not been poured in. But you're poured into for what purpose? To be poured out. Poured in to be poured out. Poured in to be poured out. To be with him to be sent out. With him to be sent out. You capturing that? You see, whatever role God has chosen for you, the first priority in that role is to be with him. And then to, in whatever that role, to serve him. Sometimes I come across people who have 13 Bible studies every week. And I'm like, uh, that's not maturity. Maturity is being with him and then serving him. So if all you do is Bible study, it may actually be that you're hiding in your Bible study. Or that all you want to do is serve. You don't want to be with him because you're a little afraid to be with the Lord and what he might say to your heart in a quiet moment. So you stay busy. Generally, we're trying to hide from something by what we do. And I love the picture here of what Jesus does. He says, hey, I, I want you guys to be with me, and then I'm going to send you out. Yeah, it's great to be with me, but I'm sending you out. No, 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 no. Come back, be with me, and then go out. It's the beautiful marriage of what relationship with the Lord is about. Be with him and to serve him. That's, y'all see that? <laughs> Thanks for the warning there, folks. Okay, let's plug into a power source. Yes. In, oh, okay, I should have planned this. I should have, watch. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. The point is, every assignment from Jesus is paired with a enablement, power source right there. The Lord would plan that one for me and I almost missed it. I mean, you see that? Some of us live on battery power. Okay, I'm not gonna trace that rabbit. Actually, When I first became a follower of Jesus, I was told, told, and retold about the assignment of living a holy life. 
doing what I was supposed to do, not doing holy relationships. And it was, I was assignment, 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 assignment. And I don't know if you've discovered this, but what I quickly realized was the mountain of holiness was one steep, steep mountain. And so, literally, I was on the exit ramp out of following Jesus. Not because I didn't want to, but because I couldn't. I, 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 just, I just couldn't. Maybe you can relate to that. It, it seemed like, like I had an older sister, Vicki. And seemed like the mountain of holiness for her wasn't any less steep. She just seemed to be able to scale it in a way that I couldn't. So she was like, oh, Vicky, oh, Vicky, Vicky, oh, Doug, <laughs> the juvenile delinquent, no exaggeration. And, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't because I didn't genuinely, and I mean deeply, want to walk with Jesus. I really did. I just stunk at it. And so I'm on the exit ramp off. Literally means saying, I'm giving up. And so I can't tell you how grateful I am that at that point, God brought a man into my life at a conference. And he started that conference simply saying, the Christian life isn't difficult, it's impossible. And I thought, now that I get. That's exactly the way I feel. But then probably a hundred times, no exaggeration, over the next week, he said, but the Jesus who walked the pages of this New Testament is alive and he's living in you and he wants to live his life through you. For the first time, first time. No, no, that's probably not fair to all the people who tried to build into me. For the, for the first time, I heard enablement that came along with assignment. And man, was that music to my ears. See, one of my absolute favorite verses in all the scriptures is that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That divine power through the person of Jesus living in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit, that divine power was available so that I would have what I would need to do all that he had said. Now, I, I hope that if you've been around the chapel very long, you've heard me say that in multiple ways, multiple times. Because part of what God put in my heart at that point was that I desperately do not want believers that I interact with to ever hear only assignment, 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 assignment. I want them to hear assignment, enablement, assignment, enablement, assignment, enablement, not reducing the assignment, not lowering the mountain of holiness, not lowering the bar to make it manageable, but recognizing it, the Christian life isn't difficult, it's impossible, but the Jesus who walked the pages of the New Testament is alive and living in it. The way I've said, that Jesus has chosen to wrap himself in our humanity 
so that the life of Jesus would be made manifest. It would be made evident in our life. So, are you living by divine power in your marriage? Or are you just doing your best? Are you literally driving home, pulling in your driveway going, Lord, I want to walk into that house and live as a husband or live as a wife according to divine power. I want to parent according to the divine enablement that you've given. I want to go to work and whatever I do, I want to work according to divine enablement. See, again, it's, it's not this separation. Oh, I need to go to church. Oh, it's power-up clubs. I need to operate according to divine enablement. Okay, now back to real life. No, that there would be a call to everything pertaining to life and godliness and that I would bring divine enablement, the life of Jesus in me to every aspect of my life, every moment. We can get it separated. And my, really, I can tell you without a shadow of doubt that my deepest desire for this congregation is that we would learn to live fully devoted, spirit-empowered lives as followers of Jesus. Not shrinking back godliness, not reducing the bar, but not doing our best, living according to his enablement. It is the Christian life. In other words, it is the Christ life. Who is the only one who can live the Christ life? Christ wrapped in our humanity so that our spouse would experience Jesus, our kids would experience Jesus, our coworkers would experience Jesus, neighbor to, our neighbors would experience Jesus wrapped in our humanity, never shrinking back from anything as a spouse or a parent, as a neighbor, as a son, never shrinking back, but always being confident divine enablement has been given. I'd, I'd followed the Lord for five years. I don't think I'd heard it. I'm not saying people hadn't said it. I'm saying I hadn't heard it. I hope you hear it this morning. I know I'm saying it. I hope you'll hear it. That faithful is the one who has called you. It's called you to live in holiness, to called you to be faithful to your vows, who's called you to live in purity, who's called you to love sacrificially, your enemies, to forgive those who have wronged you, and to know that for every assignment, there has been divine enablement. You see, that's why he doesn't need the quarterback. The base, the weak, the foolish go, I'm in over my head. I need you, Lord. I need you, and I trust his enablement. So the passage ends with the final individual that Jesus chose for his dream team. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. 
Isn't that encouraging that Jesus chose Judas? You find that encouraging? Because it's just the reminder that you just can't always get everything right. I mean, 11 out of 12 was a pretty good percentage. Doesn't that encourage you? Well, hopefully not for that reason. Because let me ask you a question. When Jesus chose Judas, did he make a mistake? (laughs) Okay, so easy for us to say, oh no, he didn't make a mistake. But it got pretty ugly, did it not? Pretty painful. Because Jesus chose Judas. Sometimes we live with this idea that if I make the right decision, then it's all going to work out well. And when things don't work out well, when things get hard, what do we go? Mm, maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe that was not the right decision. Ever thought that? Ever second guessed the decision because it got hard, because it was painful, because it hurt, and you thought, oh, it must have been a bad decision? See, uh, that happens to us because rooted in us is still that idea that if we choose the right thing, then it'll all be good, nice, and easy. And everything about the life of Jesus says the opposite. Was it a spirit-led decision? Yeah, I am fully convinced that Jesus made a spirit-led decision. And that is no guarantee for a trouble-free future. This is why people agonize over decisions so much. Oh, I just want to know what the Lord wants me to do. Why? Because if I do the right thing, then it'll all work out nicely. And then when it gets hard, oh, see, I must have got, gotten it wrong. Did Jesus love God, the Father? Now, that seems like a silly question, but seriously, did Jesus love the Father? Okay, now you can only answer this for you personally. Do you love God? If you love God, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. For those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, you know, sometimes we think, well, I made a bad decision. I made a decision in the flesh. But God is big and God is gracious and he can work it for good. Is that a promise? Yes. But I want us to understand equally Sometimes we make a right decision, a spirit-led decision, and then it's really hard. We think this, what happened to that whole abundant life stuff? Can God be working for good in hurtful situations? (laughs) That was a spirit-led decision. Yeah. And here's the, here's the grace upon grace of this. I was really grateful. Uh, someone shared this with me Thursday night. That God says he's going to do this. And so it could be possible that you and I could go through life and then see in the rearview mirror, oh, man, that was hard, but oh, wow, I see God worked it for good. Oh, that was hard. Oh, that hurt, but I see God worked it for good. In other words, he could do that but not tell us that he's going to. 
Do you see the grace in the fact not only that he does it, but that he promises he will? We're not reserved for only seeing in the rearview mirror. We can engage in life and see the hard, see the hurt right in front of us and what's coming and go, oh, I know God has promised he's going to work this for good. I don't have to wait till the after the fact and go, oh, I can see it coming. He's gracious in not only what he does. Here's what I'm trying to say. He's gracious in not only what he does. He's gracious in telling us what he's going to do. Otherwise, we'd be so bound up in the midst of it until we got a glimpse in the rearview mirror. Grace upon grace. Grace to work for good. Grace to tell us in advance he's working for good. Did he work the betrayal of Jesus for good? The greatest good this world has ever known. The savior of our soul. Will he work the hurt in your life for good? Will he? To those who love God, he says, I will. You don't have to wait to see it. You can, you can know it now. He's promised it. And so, in the weirdest of ways, the choosing of Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, is one of the most encouraging things that Jesus ever did. A spirit-led decision that led to hardship that God worked for the greatest good. Hmm. So let me invite you to bow with me. And I want us to, together, just quietly, but lead us through a responding of what the text has taught us. So would you just there, just quietly, heads bowed, just for the purpose of focus, would you begin by telling the Lord, thank you for choosing you for not giving you what you deserve, but his grace in choosing you, forgiving you, giving you the gift of salvation. And would you then tell him, thank you for how he's made you. Thank you for the gifts you've given. Thank you for the, for the role that you've chosen for me. And maybe even a little harder, thank you for what you didn't choose me for. And tell him, Lord, help me to become increasingly content with the role you've given me. Help me to not look over my shoulder. Look around and compare. And would you determine, right now, determine that this week you're not going to let go by without being with him. Decide right now. Morning, lunch, evening, when you're going to be with Jesus. Just you and him. And now I invite you to present your body to the Lord. Lord, here's my body. You've wrapped yourself in my humanity. 
Would you use me to serve, to share, to minister? Wherever I go, Lord, use me to be a servant. Present your body to him. And then thank him for his enablement, divine power. Would you tell him thank you for pouring your spirit into my heart? I won't shrink back, Lord, for everything you've called me to, you've enabled me to. Thank you, Lord, for being my full supply. And then as an act of faith, would you very specifically name what's hard and hurtful in your life and then tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that hurt. Thank you for that heart. Thank you that you're working. Thank you for promising me that you're working. Thank you for grace upon grace. We are the branches and he is the vine. We are in him and in our sea abides. Far from him, there's nothing we can do. The things that once were wild and alarmed no longer have the power to harm. Even in the deepest hurt, he's working for good. Let's sing that together. We are the branches and He is the vine. We are in Him and in us He abides. Apart from Him, there's nothing we can do. The things that once were wild and alarmed no longer have the power to harm. Even in the deepest hurt, He's working for good. Cause I am is mine, my rescued soul, by grace divine, I am the branch, and he is the vine, I am his, and he is mine, yes, I am his, and he is mine. Father, thank you that you have made us your own. You know us by name and you have poured your spirit into us so that you are ours, that we have all that we need for life and godliness. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people who are joyfully engaged in the role that you've given to each of us and that we would know this week in moments where it's hard or painful or fearful, that we would live according to divine power, you, the vine, we abiding in you, that we would bear much fruit. To the praise of your glory, we present ourselves to you and rejoice in you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being with us here. Uh, 6.30 tonight over in South. I hope you'll come and pray with us. God bless.